0: Welcome back to the Hemingway List Podcast for Epilogue 1, Chapter 5. Chapter 5? Yes, Chapter 5. Oh my god, Chapter 6 is long, I just realised. Cool. Love a big long ranty chapter. Although it might not be because we got some character action yesterday, so who knows. Um, Tolstoy describes Nikolai's feelings towards Sonia by saying it was as if he reproached her for being too perfect and having nothing to be reproached for. He felt that the more he appreciated her, the less he loved her. Why do you think this is? And do you think his feelings are typical and natural of people in general, or more specific to his situation? Are you surprised that Nikolai chooses to give up his military career and assume his father's debt against the advice of others? I think it's probably a specific feeling, you know? It kind of it did make sense though, as Tolstoy described it. I'm trying to think now how it made sense, but it did make sense at the time. <laughs> um, she's helpful, and he appreciates her, but doesn't it doesn't attract him to her Tre Tre tric, trek o lover six nine O lover, it's probably something probably something, some reference that I don't know, Uh, (laughs) says, holy shit, that was depressing. It was a little bit. FDLP once says, well, Natasha, Pierre, happiness so quickly washed away by the rest of this powerful chapter. I wish Tolstoy would have spent more time diving into the individual narratives of the wedding, the last days of the Count and Nikolai, coming to grips with leaving the military instead of the previous four chapters that rehash his views on Napoleon. So true. You know, all those plot points could have been so much more enjoyable if they were spread out over four chapters instead of just drivel about the military. We could have had a wedding. You know, we could have had Nikolai's return and catch up. We could have had the death of the count. All actually played out rather than just, you know, referred to. Or and Kvofifi says... Gah, what a relief to return to our characters. I'm not really enjoying the philosophical monologues now that we've entered the epilogue, so this is a welcome reprieve, yeah. I did say there is some more plot, you know. Um, and so, there it is, you know. And there's more to come. Haruki says, This would have been so much better as a six, a six to eight chapters with way fewer of the philosophizing chapters. 100%. Yep, I think we all agree there. Let's read the next one quick one tonight, I'm just going to go straight into chapter 6. At the beginning of winter, Princess Mary came to Moscow. From reports current in town, she learned how the Rostovs were situated and how the son has sacrificed himself for his mother, as people were saying. I never expected anything else of him, said Princess Mary to herself, feeling a joyous sense of her love for him. Remembering her friendly relations with all the Rostovs which had made her almost a member of the family, she thought it her duty to go to see them. But remembering her relations with Nicholas in Vorons, she was shy about doing so. Making a great effort, she did, however, go to call on them a few weeks after her arrival in Moscow. Nicholas was the first to meet her as the Countess's room could only be reached through his, but instead of being greeted with pleasure as he had she had expected. At his first glance at her, his face assumed a cold, stiff, proud expression she had not seen on it before. He inquired about her health, led the way to his mother, and having sat there for five minutes, left the room. When the princess came out of the countess's room, Nicholas met her again, and with marked solemnity and stiffness accompanied her to the anteroom. To her remarks about his mother's health, he made no reply. "'What's that to you? Leave me in peace,' his look seemed to say." Why does she come prowling here? What does she want? I can't bear these ladies and all these civilities, said he aloud in Sonya's presence, evidently unable to repress his vexation after the princess's carriage had disappeared. Oh, Nicholas, how can you talk like that? cried Sonya, hardly able to conceal her delight. She is so kind and Mamma is so fond of her. Nicholas did not reply and tried to avoid speaking of the princess any more. but after her visit, the old countess spoke of her several times a day. She sang her praises, insisted that her son must call on her, expressed a wish to see her often, but yet always came ill-humoured when she began to talk about her. Nicholas tried to keep silence when his mother spoke of the princess, but his silence irritated her. "'She is a very admirable and excellent young woman,' said he, "'and you must go and call on her. You would at least be seeing somebody, and I think it must be dull for you only seeing us.' "'But I don't in the least want to, mamma. "'You used to want to?' And now you don't, really. I don't understand you, my dear. One day you are dull, the next you refuse to see anyone. I never said I was dull. Why? You said yourself you don't want even to see her. She is a very admirable young lady, and you always liked her, but now suddenly you have got some notion or other in your head. You hide everything from me. Not at all, Mamma. If I were asking you to do something disagreeable now, but I only ask you to return a call, one would think mere politeness required it. Well... I've asked you, and now I won't interfere any more, since you have secrets from your mother. Well, then I'll go if you wish. It doesn't matter to me. I only wish it for your sake. Nicholas sighed, but his moustache, and laid out, what, bit his moustache and laid out the cards for a patience, trying to divert his mother's attention to another topic. The same conversation was repeated next day, and the day after, and the day after that. After her visit to the Rostovs and her unexpectedly chilly reception by Nicholas, Princess Mary confessed to herself that she had been right in not wishing to be the first to call. I expect nothing else, she told herself, calling her pride to her aid. I have nothing to do with him, and I only wanted to see the old lady, who was always kind to me and to whom I am under many obligations. But she could not pacify herself with these reflections. A feeling akin to remorse troubled her when she thought of her visit, though she had firmly resolved not to call on the Rostovs again and to forget the whole matter. She felt herself all the time in an awkward position, and when she asked herself what distressed her, she had to admit that it was her relation to Rostov. His cold, polite manner did not express his feeling for her, she knew that, but it concealed something, and until she could discover what that something was, she felt that she could not be at ease. One day in the midwinter, when sitting in the schoolroom attending to her nephew's lessons, she was informed that Rostov had called With a firm resolution not to betray herself and not to show her agitation, she sent for Mademoiselle Boreen and went with her to the drawing-room. Her first glance at Nicholas's face told her that he had only come to fulfill the demands of politeness, and she firmly resolved to maintain the tone in which he addressed her. They spoke of the Countess's health, of their mutual friends, of the latest war news, and when the ten minutes required by propriety had elapsed, after which a visitor may rise, Nicholas got up to say goodbye. With Mademoiselle Bourin's help, the princess had maintained the conversation very well, but at the very last moment, just when he rose, she was so tired of talking of what did not interest her, and her mind was so full of the question why she alone was granted so little happiness in life, that in a fit of absent-mindedness she sat still, her luminous eyes gazing fixedly before her, not noticing that he had risen. Nicholas glanced at her and, wishing to appear not to notice her abstraction, made some remark to Mademoiselle Bourienne and then again looked at the princess. She still sat motionless with a look of suffering on her gentle face. He suddenly felt sorry for her and was vaguely conscious that he might be the cause of her sadness, the sadness her face expressed. He wished to help her and say something pleasant, but could think of nothing. Goodbye, princess, said he. She started. "'Flushed and sighed deeply. "'Oh, I beg your pardon,' she said, as if waking up. "'Are you going already, Count? "'Well, then, goodbye. "'Oh, but the cushion for the Countess. "'Wait a moment, I'll fetch it,' said Mademoiselle Boreen, "'and she left the room. "'They both sat silent, with an occasional glance at one another. "'Yes, Princess,' said Nicholas, at last, with a smile. "'It doesn't seem long ago since we first met at Bogoturovo, "'but how much water has flowed since then, in what distress?' We all seemed to be then. Yet I would give much to bring back that time, but there's no bringing it back. Princess Mary gazed intently into his eyes with her own luminous ones as he said this. She seemed to be trying to fathom the hidden meaning of his words which would explain his feeling for her. Yes, yes, said she, but you have no reason to regret the past, Count. "'As I understand your present life, I think you will always recall it with satisfaction "'because of the self-sacrifice that fills it now.' "'I cannot accept your praise,' he interrupted her hurriedly. "'On the contrary, I continually reproach myself, but this is not at all an interesting "'or cheerful subject.' "'His face again resumed its former stiff and cold expression, but the princess had "'caught a glimpse of the man she had known and loved, and it was to him that she spoke "'now. "'I thought you would allow me to tell you this,' she said.' I had come so near to you and to all your family that I thought you would not consider my sympathy misplaced. But I was mistaken, and suddenly her, f- her voice trembled. I don't know why, she continued, recovering herself, but you used to be different, and... There are a thousand reasons why, laying special emphasis on the why. Thank you, princess, he added softly. Sometimes it is hard. "'So that's why, that's why,' a voice whispered in Princess Mary's soul. "'No, it was not only that gay, kind, and frank look, "'not only that handsome exterior that I loved in him. "'I divined his noble, resolute, self-sacrificing spirit, too,' she said to herself. "'Yes, he is poor now, and I am rich. "'Yes, that's the only reason. "'Yes, were it not for that.' "'And remembering his former tenderness, "'and looking now at his kind, sorrowful face, "'she suddenly understood the cause of his coldness. "'But why count? "'Why?' She almost cried, unconsciously moving closer to him. Why? Tell me. You must tell me. He was silent. I don't understand your why, Count, she continued, but it's hard for me. I confess it. For some reason, you wish to deprive me of your former, our former friendship, and that hurts me. There were tears in her eyes and in her voice. I have had so little happiness in life that every loss is hard for me to bear. Excuse me, goodbye, and suddenly she began to cry and was hurrying from the room. Princess, for God's sake!" he exclaimed, trying to stop her. Princess, she turned around. For a few seconds, they gazed silently into one another's eyes, and what had sh- seemed impossible and remotely s- and what had seemed impossible and remote suddenly became possible, inevitable, and very near. All right, there we go. There's chapter six for you. Great. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.